Hi, and welcome to Happier Music Teacher. Are you a music teacher who has no time, no voice, and you kind of need to pee? I'm Beth Duhon. I'm a Christian, wife, mother, musician, and former stressed hot mess music teacher. I've been there. Join me every week as we work on easy micro actions so that you can be a happier music teacher. Today on Afternoon Tea, I'm talking with Beth Duhon about teacher self-care. Our talk is broken down into two episodes, and this is the first one. This episode will focus on the acronym MAP and share ideas about self-care regarding professional and personal aspects, self-care versus self-soothing, meal planning, and giving yourself grace. This is episode 147, So Glad You're Here. Hey guys, welcome to Afternoon Tea. I'm Jessica Grant. This is the show about the ins and outs of music educator life, the daily preparation, organization, and management of our classrooms, time with colleagues and friends, and learning to live life to the brim. So pour a cup of tea, coffee, or whatever suits your fancy, and let's chat. Self-care is a buzzword we hear everywhere. The way we take care of ourselves affects our everyday life. I love the ideas that music educator Beth Duhon shares with us in this episode. In fact, she had so many ideas for self-care that our talk is broken into two episodes. In this episode today, you'll hear us touch on the acronym MAP, and Beth will share self-care ideas in the areas of professional personal aspects, talk about the difference between self-care and self-soothing, give us ideas for meal planning, and lots of reminders for giving ourselves grace along the way. Beth created a PDF that you can use to make notes as you listen to the episode or even after you listen, so check those out in the show notes and on the blog. But here is my talk with Beth Duhon. Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing about your passion for self-care. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us about yourself? I'm Beth Duhon. I'm the K-5 music teacher at Travis Elementary in Rosenberg. It's Lamar Consolidated ISD. Um, but more to the point, I'm a Christian. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a musician and a teacher in that order. You, you're kind of describing me too. Yes, we <laughs> we're very similar. Yes, we are. So, in fact, I did the math. I think that we are very close to the same age, Jessica. Oh, yeah. We, oh. I think we graduated college around the same time. I was in 96. Or, well, college was 2000. College was 99. Okay. Yep. Exactly. We were right there. That's a good vintage. <laughs> it is a good vintage. So, what prompted you to find ways of sharing self care ideas? with other educators? Um, the best thing I can think of is a verse that says that God comforts us in our weakness and our trouble so we can comfort others. Um, I really hit a crisis around my son's kindergarten first grade year. Mm. I had my new teaching job. I had been previously private lesson teaching. Everything was perfect. Everything was going great until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, and then it just, it cratered quickly. Um, I was injured at work. And I was on workers' comp. And for no reason, I felt guilty 
<laughs> you know, I just, I, I had a, you know, I think I had a prejudice in the past that workers comp was for people who are lazy or they're trying to trick the system or something. And that was not the case at all. And as a result of that, his behavior really went sideways. And so what went to just a normal routine, going to work every day, you know, living our best life, being overbooked and scheduled, um, we really had to make some changes or it was not sustainable. It was definitely a turning point for us and our family. You know, yeah. my husband would make me a peanut butter sandwich in the morning and take off for work, you know, and then we'd get my, my son. And so it was just such a different rhythm for me. And I mean, I was forced to slow down. And when I came back to work, I still had to be really careful. I, I was out for several months. And um, I mean, that was I was not used to that. I was used to full steam ahead and not having anything that felt weak. Um, and like I said, I was used to having the good boy in daycare, the, the good boy in the church nursery. And so when he was struggling too, um, you know, a lot of the things that I was kind of hanging my hat on being really self-sufficient, having, you know, a handsome, good boy went to the side. So um, God was using me. Yeah, for sure. So how did you find things that worked for you or that helped you during that time? I think trial and error, mostly error. <laughs> the um, the big thing that I just noticed as I came back, I was a lot more intentional. Mm-hmm. I had to notice about how many steps I was taking a day, you know, be more efficient about that, be very intentional about rest. Otherwise, it just wasn't possible physically or mentally. I had to dial back the expectations for me and my son. You know, in the past week, you know, I had him in. Uh, several activities, which seemed like a good thing to do, uh, but he had been through a lot of change too, and it was hard on him. And also, um, you know, my love for him isn't conditional. So it was just a really good lesson for me that, um, shoot, you can go through a rough time if you're five or if you're 35, and um, just to show him a lot of grace. Yeah. And thankfully, God gives us a lot of grace as we move through. And I know I need that. <laughs> I need that for sure. Um, and so one of the things that really stood out to me in the materials that you shared with me was this idea of the acronym MAP. And I loved how you kind of used this in a lot of different areas. And I know I was looking through the materials and just going, gosh, this is so helpful for me. And I think it's going to be so helpful for other people. Can you tell us what that acronym stands for? Of course, you know, acronym educators love acronyms, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So map my action plan. I think it's really good for us to go and take an inventory of our life and be intentional, but also not think you're going to have a New Year's Day thing where you're like, okay, I am going to lose 40 pounds. I am going to get up at dark 30. I am going to cook perfect meals with a salad in a jar that's labeled by the day of the week. That's not realistic. So looking at our real life, small things you can do to move the needle to improve your quality of life as an educator. We don't have to be martyrs. We don't have to be victims. We can be happy, healthy, whole music educators. And I like that you said small. The small changes often make the biggest impact. They have for me, to be honest. If I had to just be, you know, completely organized and really exacting about it, that's not my personality style. I'd like to be a type A teacher. I'm probably really like a type B teacher. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's a lot better for me uh, to do small things that I know I can repeat over time. Rebecca Lyons says a routine is just a series of days strung together. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to have it all together for a decade. I just have to figure out what I need to do for tomorrow and then keep on repeating that. You use my action plan in lots of different ways. Can you talk a little bit about 
I don't know if we'll hit all the areas, but could you start with the personal and the professional and kind of share your thoughts on how we can make action plans in that, that area? First part is um, assessing your personal and professional situation. And this is your real self. It's not your aspirational self. So it's what's your marital status? Do you have kids? That makes a difference. Mm -hmm. What's your commute like? You might have a commute that's five minutes down the road. You might have a solid commute with traffic that's an hour away. My campus is Title I, and I'm not trying to discriminate, but it does make a difference. I've also had a campus where it was a private school outside of D.C., so the expectations on a music teacher are very high. So that's a special circumstance. Uh, you might have extremely supportive parents. You might not have parents support your school. You might live very close to your own family, or if you're like us, we live far away from our family. And that's all part of the calculus of your personal professional situation. You're not being a whiner or a victim. You're just writing it down in black and white so you can really see it, almost like you'd see it for someone else. Hmm. You know, if you, if you heard this about someone else, what would you think about them and what you expect from them? It's just kind of factual. Like, yes, ma'am. This is where this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what my work situation looks like and my home situation looks like. And then how do you use that to impact how you take care of yourself? I also think a lot about, I'm not the only person in this equation. Mm. I have a husband that's part of the equation. I have a son that's part of the equation. I have a faith life that's part of the equation. So music teacher is a really strong part of my identity, but it's not the whole game. And I think if you put all your eggs in that basket, that's not the recipe for a fulfilled life. And like I said, this is speaking of someone who I've been a career music educator. I, you know, I love music. I love teaching. My role models growing up were that, but on your deathbed, you're not going to wish you spent more time at work. Yeah. I keep thinking of the phrase lately. You are not one dimensional. Just thinking about, I, I get wrapped up and maybe others do too in in my teaching world and my teaching life, because I spend so much time there. And I have to remember that that is not the only part of me. And I'm not just one, I am not just music teacher. Like you listed, you know, I'm a Christian. I am a mom. I am a wife. Um, I'm a runner. There's lots of other ways we can identify ourselves, but I think we can get really caught up in, you know, that one dimension of teaching. It is. It's such a strong identity yeah. and there's such a strong pull and we get so many strokes from being a teacher. You introduce yourself and you say that I'm a music teacher. Oh, you teach music. That must be so rewarding. That must but be fun. <laughs> it must be fun. It must be great to have the summers off. Oh, lucky you, <laughs> all the things, but it's just a really part, strong part of our identity. And that's great. Nothing. I, I get a lot of joy from that part of my identity, but it's not what I should build my life on. It's so true. I'm just sitting here taking that in for a minute <laughs> after a full, a full week of teaching that had a lot of change in my life and things. And it's like, yes, yes, absolutely. Remembering that that is not all that I am. And in another way, we are a huge part of our students' lives, mm. right? We see them for years. That's a unique relationship. And we have a unique uh, joy perspective with it. But in another way, we're also a very small part of their life. For me, I, I will see them every day usually, but not in my teaching. I might see them in the hall or in the cafeteria. But as far as teaching them music, it's 50 minutes once a week for me if I'm lucky. So it's a really strange balance of I am really important and I'm a part of it. 
I remember what my very first teaching job, they had had one teacher after another for years. And they're like, oh, what was that other teacher's name? And it just hit me that, wow, they, they might love you in that moment. And they surely do. But eh, you're not the end of the world. And I remember when I came back after I'd injured my foot, I just recalled, I'm replaceable. If I don't show up tomorrow, for whatever reason, there will be someone else here in my spot. And that's okay. It's totally okay. It's in a way, it's kind of relaxing. Mm -hmm. It takes the pressure off a little bit that there is someone else who will do it and also help me set priorities. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't care or that you're not investing all that you can for your students in the time that you are there. But like you said, taking that pressure off that you have to be the end all be all for That's your exactly it always it is um it's both things and it's also not about us so when we're there gosh leave it all on the floor you know teach your little heart out yes absolutely but be able to turn it off when it's not time to be there what about the self-care versus self-soothing because that can look really different it sure can. Um, and self-soothing is very difficult to say. <laughs> so It is. I'm like, self-soothing. <laughs> uh, I got the concept from Michelle Rose at the Musical Rose when I heard her on another concept about the difference between self-soothing and self-care. Hmm. I think she's another F-flat author like yourself. And I just expanded on a little bit. A lot of the things that we as a culture say are self-care are really not caring for yourself. Hmm. They're soothing yourself. And there's nothing wrong with it. I am not mad about a pint of Ben and Jerry's and Netflix on a Friday night. Sign me up. <laughs> but over time, what's really going to take care of you better and longer and help your career in education and music not just be a sprint, but a marathon is going to be those sustainable, healthy habits, boundaries. Don't get me started on boundaries. It's my favorite book by Cloudon uh, Townsend, Realistic Expectations. Sometimes as music teachers, we are so excellent as a field that if you start to compare yourself, it's a losing game. Mm -hmm. There are excellent programs that your colleagues do in your district. There are excellent um, resources that other people create. You could spend your life just focusing on one small aspect of that, you know, K, K through five vocal music and never measure up. So it's important to stay in your lane and um, not, not do the comparison game. And that's hard in the social media world, too, when you see everybody sharing all the wonderful things they do. And it can be easy to look at that and go either I'm not doing enough or I'm completely inadequate at what I am doing and staying in your lane and continuing to do what God has called you to do where you are. I might suggest something kind of radical. Um, go for it. And I have a love I have a love-hate with social media. Who doesn't love it? <laughs> yeah. um, I've been trying to reduce my time on it. Mm -hmm. I have heard of a book about taking a fast for 40 days. I have never done that successfully. But I will tell you that, that keeping your eyes on your own paper for a while. When I think about my elementary music teacher, who I loved, you know, I grew up in a small town in Illinois. She was also my band director. She was also my choir director. Uh, her husband taught my social studies class. This was a big figure in my life. Uh, but the elementary music at the time, we had records. We were sitting on the cafeteria benches. There was no you know, crazy program at the end. I think we were in the gym on the risers. That was that. 
some recorder and I thought recorder was the best thing ever. I thought she was the best thing ever. I just, I love the whole experience. So it helps me take the pressure off myself a little bit. I want to do excellent lessons. I want to do engaging lessons. I want the kids to look forward to coming to my class. But if I look coming forward to that class and there weren't a lot of bells and whistles, it does not have to be the most epic Instagram worthy event every single week. That's not realistic. It's not healthy. It's not even good for the kids, really. I read somewhere, I can't think of who said it, but it was something like, you do not need to perform every class. Like, you know, where it's, it's practice for a reason that you're, you're practicing, you're growing. It doesn't have to be we're performing today and it's perfection. And tomorrow we're going to perform and it's perfection. Not that performances are always perfection, but just we sometimes can get wrapped up in it, in it being wow and fantastic every single time. And that's a easy, <laughs> easy move towards burnout for you and for the kids. Cause you know, it, sometimes with my students, like I just started with a new trimester of students this past Monday and so I only see my kids three months of the year and it's, it's kind of wonky. So a lot of my kids I have not seen since fall of 2019 because of the way wow. yeah. everything, if I had them first trimester in their fifth grade year, that was fall of 2019. So some of them it's, it's kind of wonky. Like I said, so this week getting them reacclimated with music and different things, there was a lot of mess. There was a lot of going back over the expectations and the procedures for things and reviewing, okay, what is a quarter note, eighth note, because it's been so long since so many of them experienced it. And, um, but yet all week I pushed and pushed and pushed myself to make sure they were performing well. And so I think this talk comes at a perfect time for me going back it up. (laughs) It's okay if it's practice, but yeah, I, I just remember hearing that somewhere where it's like, you do not need to perform every single day. It's okay if they are practice sessions. It's okay if they're growing and learning and it's not perfection. That's fantastic. And it's healthy for the kids too. It is. You know, it takes some of the pressure off for them because we don't realize um, they have a lot of pressure and mm-hmm. pressure that I think I didn't have as a child. Um, and like I said, the um, quarantine, I think they've handled it beautifully. Yeah. But still, that's not something that I had in my childhood. Most of the time, um, we, I felt this year like we have had like five first days of school because every quarter it's like, well, this is a new group who is leaving to go to virtual. They are coming back to face to face. We've been out a week for the ice storm. We've, we've come back from Christmas break. Oh, look, here we're coming back from spring break here in a bit. So we just, yeah, we just say, oh, yeah, it's the seventh day, of, seventh first day of school. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of start and stop this year. It is. And it's hard to get a rhythm and hard. I feel like they're happy to be back with us sincerely I'm happy to see us. Yeah. My kids have expressed just the joy of, of being in class and being, even if they're distanced, even if there's masks on just actually seeing people in the same room. We did not expect it was going to be this long. No, I think with ourselves, we also need to be, you know, everyone's talked about um, having grace with yourself. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And, but I think a lot of times we haven't changed our expectations. Although that my programs were um, on video this year instead of live, I was still wanting it to be like, 
with kids that I haven't sung with for several months with six foot distance with masks, and I'm not trying to be an excuse maker. It's just factual. It's, it's just it factual. That changes the calculus of things. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, in the past, we were on the risers. We were shoulder to shoulder. There were no masks. We would practice so much. It's just a different thing. And the safety is the main priority. So it just changes things. It does. So what does self-soothing look like then compared to self-care? So self-soothing is usually a one-time special thing. Mm. If I'm going to say, okay, this is my spa day. This is my sit in my jammies all day and watch Netflix day. It is um, that quick fix. It feels like an escape. You know, you're a three-day weekend to Galveston. There is nothing wrong with that. And it's I love all those things, but I think a lot of us use them like band-aids mm-hmm. when what we really need are healthy eating that doesn't make me feel like junk the next day. And you don't need any fanfare to say, hey, everyone, I got eight hours of sleep last night and I had a date night with my husband and I'm trying to live a well-balanced life. That doesn't get the big, you know, the big likes and shares and everything that we're used to. It's just more normal life. And we mentioned social media. It's not to demonize it. But I think a lot of times we just need to realize who are we living for and who are we serving with our students. And you might have a crazy, amazing semester, but can you do that sustainably for years of teaching? Um, My cohort of elementary teachers is so funny. One of them is like, well, I've only been teaching 18 years, so I'm on the shorter end of things. There are, you know, literally ladies there who've been teaching 20, 25 years, and they're so wise. And I don't think they could get there by just burning out in the first few years of their teaching. They figured it out. Yeah. And I think, like you said, then if self-soothing is short-term and that helps us, I think we all need those short-term recharges, rejuvenation, but also looking to long-term then to, so we can get past a potential burnout just a couple of years in and continue to teach for 25 years or however long we we are teaching. So what are other areas then that are longer lasting that we can focus on? I, I know you you did talk in here about resting and recharging. I would let's say there. Yeah, let's do it because resting and recharging for me, the the rest aspect, uh, the older I get, the more I realize that my sleep habits impact my mood my attitude, my um, energy levels. And I think this is one of the biggest things when I start feeling overwhelmed, I have to go back and look at. Sleep is everything. And this isn't, you know, I think so many of us just pile on with the shoulds Mm -hmm. and ought tos and everything. This is not to make anyone feel guilty or put upon. But if you just pick one thing from today that we talk about that will really have a positive change, I believe it's sleep. Voice is tired, go to sleep. Feeling cranky, go to sleep. Feeling sluggish, go to sleep. I'll be honest, as I've been looking at this, my sleep could use some help. I don't keep the same sleep schedule on the weekends as the other things. Uh, I haven't been going to bed at night as early as I could, but I do notice the difference. And I think a lot of times our mindset is like, well, we'll just make it up in the summer. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, it's fine. Oh, I've got spring break coming up, Christmas break. I'll just do nothing then and I'll feel right. And that's not really how it works. If you think of it like your car, you can do your regular maintenance or you can wait till there's a major event. 
but you're going to pay either way. You might as well do your regular maintenance and also enjoy the benefits of your regular maintenance as you do it. It's not a um, burden. It's a gift. Sabbath has been a big gift for me. And I actually had that in place before um, I was injured for a, a long time, probably earlier in our marriage. And at first it felt strange. You know, my husband was kind of thinking, oh, really, you're not going to do anything all day? Oh, okay. All right. You do you. And I think he thought maybe it was like a lazy thing. And I'm not legalistic about it at all, but it has been such a game changer for me. Uh, I've heard people say that one day affects your other six. And it's trusting God that you're going to give him that day. And he's going to help you complete whatever needs done in the other six. I don't generally cook. I don't clean. I try not to do work-related things. I really try to just pare it down, always take a nap. There's a lot of ways I could tighten it up. But like I said, if you have not, and like I said, in some seasons of life, you have two toddlers, you are probably not Sabbathing it up. (laughs) Get it done. Yes. But even if you could just take it maybe an afternoon, an evening, a morning, somewhere in the rhythm of your week where you are not feeling like you have to go, go, go and do, do, do. Ariana Huffington says, even your cell phone needs to recharge. So sometimes I think we treat our electronics with more respect than ourselves. We will just wait till we're completely depleted. Yeah. So what does your Sabbath look like? Like what, what things do you do? Because I'd love to know more about that. For me, it's still incredibly busy probably busier than a true Sabbath really would be. We've been doing church virtually right now. Yeah, same. So we, we would have a leisurely um, morning, you know, with breakfast, watch our church online, probably do some activity with my son. I like to walk around the neighborhood with him or maybe call my mom on my phone, take a nap. Like I said, I am, I'm all about that life with oh, the naps. Nap. <laughs> it is so good. Um, he will have a wana. When we had a wana in person, um, which if you're all not familiar, it's kind of like Baptist Boy Scouts, a lot of scripture memory and things. You'll probably have it in your area. Uh, my husband and I used to use that for our date night, which was awfully nice. So we'd go grab a coffee or a snack someplace local. And then I would try to just relax before bed, whatever that might look like. I guess the main thing, it's almost more of a mindset shift hmm. that if I'm thinking about something for work, it's going to keep. And my dirty floors aren't going anywhere. I'm not going to dress them on a Sunday. I'm probably not going to address them on the other days of the week either, but I'm definitely not going to address them <laughs> on a Sunday. So it just, it helped me as someone who can be wired kind of tight, just relax with it. Yeah. I, I you know, I can think, I think I still use technology too much on Sundays. Sometimes it can turn into Facebook movie day, which I don't really think is what God was intending with it, but a quiet day, a family day. I, I enjoy it. If y'all haven't tried it, even just for a short, like I said, a short couple hours, very beneficial. I think it's like giving yourself grace. Like you talked about earlier, just giving yourself the chance to go right now. I'm not, I'm going to choose not to think about work and do work related things, teaching related things. And I'm going to let myself just be, whether it's taking a nap or whether it's watching FaceTime movies or Netflix or, you know, I think having that time is a gift to yourself to that allows you to keep going the other days. Well, and if Sundays aren't viable, um, to my way of thinking, there's nothing magical about Sundays. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's what I, that's what we do. That's what's traditional. But when we were lesson teaching Sundays were our prime time. 
because we had kids in marching band and things and we lesson taught for a long time i, I lesson taught for 13 years um, so, so sunday afternoons were a big deal we would we would play for church in the morning we would rush home i would teach from like one to eight or nine and then wow. go to bed so sundays were actually way more hectic so what we had to do is just decide that we would take another day as our sabbath and not book that one up yeah so if that's a thought that helps people be a little more flexible about it you mentioned something also in there about cooking and planning for meals. And one of the things you have written down is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, which I totally agree with that. You know, I love Pinterest. I, I love hate Pinterest, but you know, you'll see these, <laughs> you'll see these salads in a jar and they're all perfectly lined up in the Mason jars and they're labeled with the days of the week. And you have a cute twine around it with your silverware. I am not that person. I'm, I'm glad for those people, but that this person is not that person. I'm just all about making it easy. So I mentioned my husband grilling the food. That's a huge help for me. I want my son to get a little more self-sufficient in the kitchen. So he doesn't do this regularly, but every once in a while I'll be like, okay, make us some French toast. It's on you, buddy. Grocery pickup has been huge for me. Uh, what I generally do is on a Thursday or Friday, I pass um, Walmart on my way home from school. So I just use the app. I'll add items as I think about it. And I'll just sit by and let the nice Walmart people put my groceries in the car. Isn't that a it's gift? It's so nice. I mean, the other morning I literally forgot and it was 6.55 and I was supposed to be in the school at seven. I did the quickest Walmart order ever of things I thought we might need. I pressed send and it was ready to pick up that afternoon at three. That's hard to beat. And yeah. like I said, currently it's free. That's a real big help for me. Um, some people don't care for that and that's okay if that's not you. There's also probably more sophisticated options. You know, there's Instacart and there's grocery delivery. But for me, that's that's the level that I'm at. I also keep a really stocked classroom pantry. It kind of looks like a 7-Eleven in there. I've got Topo Cinco's. I have Zone Bars, hummus. I keep baby carrots in the fridge. There's a little part of the faculty fridge that I just, that bottom drawer is just mine. Anything that is kind of stable and will keep prepackaged nuts, LaCroix, I just, I'll just bring in a big amount of that. And that way during the week, say everything goes sideways and I didn't pack a lunch, I'm not going to starve. And I'm not going to be eating out of the vending machine, which is going to feel gross. Um, my other thing that I like to do is fruit. I'm a cheapo, so I can almost always find some cheap fruit in season. Yeah. And if I grab a fruit and a dairy, I feel like I have a pretty good snack. And then my leftovers from the night before, if we have cooked and we have food, I'll just try to make sure that I portion those out so I'm ready to go with it. Yeah, that's what I do a lot of is I do a lot of leftovers. Citrus is in season now. So I've been getting lots of oranges, lots of um, mostly just oranges, honestly, right now. But then as the apples will come in season or the berries and trying to rotate through those. Um, they're going to taste the best and they're going to be the cheapest. So yeah. why not? The whole 30 people had an interesting quote. and I felt so convicted. Your desk is not a table. Oh, Oh, wow. So I'm not supposed to wolf it down in front of my computer while I'm half checking email and doing something else. So something I've started doing lately is I'll just, I'll set up, you know, my, my roller chair and another chair like a table and turn on a podcast to listen to that, mm -hmm. even if it's only while I'm chewing my food. Yep. Or um, our local Christian radio station had um, on-demand concerts during quarantine. So I might turn in one of those and I feel like you know, the world is not going to end while I take my 10 minutes to eat my lunch peacefully before I try to go to the bathroom, before kindergarten comes storming in the room. And that helps me feel a lot more centered. Yeah. And then again, just that time for yourself, time to, it's okay to step away and 
focus on just enjoying the eating process? <laughs> I'm a hard introvert. And for me, um, in the afternoon is kindergarten and first. If I don't feel like I have had a lunchtime and some solitude to really pump myself up, if I've had those one of those times where I've skimped on it and I've been chasing discipline or talking to other teachers the whole time, I just don't feel like I'm up for the task in yeah. the afternoon. So I really try to manage not just my time, but my energy. One of the other areas that you talked about as far as uh, honestly just thinking through how we use our time in the commute aspect, your question that you wrote down was, what will you do to make your commute more bearable? And you have things like, are you driving to work in silence or breathing or making your drive home a treat or even adding a commute? This is an area where I really, this has been working for me. Some of my other areas, I feel like, oh gosh, I am do as I say, not as I do, as I'm looking back on, <laughs> I can definitely see some improvement, but commute, I feel like I'm, I'm killing it. I drive to work in silence. I think a lot of times we just put on the radio because it's there mm-hmm. or we listen to our podcast because it's there. And I, I love those things. But in the morning, I think that's a special time. A lot of times it's prayer. Sometimes it's a desperate prayer. Also, I can tell if I just physically feel my chest tight, I will look at the clock and five physical minutes do a breathing break. I'm an old wind ensemble person, right? So I played horn and the wind ensemble and orchestra and everything. So sometimes I have flashbacks from all the breathing drills, but it really, it makes me feel better after. And it was a technique that some people recommended for my son. And, you know, he's not going to be disciplined with it on his own, but we would do it together in the car. And I always felt like I felt better. My elementary music liaison said that she would do it on her Apple watch. I'm not that fancy, but I guess she said there's a setting there that actually remind you to breathe and have you take a breathing break. I make sure I fill up my belly with air. I make sure that I am, as it probably is rhythmically, I'm, I'm holding, but I'm not really counting. Yeah. And like I said, just full, but not tense and just let that time go. And like I said, it's really hard for me to think about anything else much when I'm breathing. So it's just a nice chance to, like I said, I can physically tell. And sometimes during, uh, on the way when I'm praying, God's like, just take that first five minutes and breathe. So a lot of times, like it'll be like 6.32 to 6.37 on my commute. And then I'll settle in and do my prayer. And usually what I do from there is um, the ACTS method. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Sometimes I run out of time for supplication. <laughs> and the, um, the adoration, I like to use the ABCs of God. But I, I'll use some random ABCs. You know, just try to bring mind a line from a hymn, scripture, anything, just to get me focused on the Lord and not myself. And, you know, in a way, I have around a 40-minute commute, 35, 40 minutes, so it's not insignificant. It's actually been kind of a gift. Thanks for spending time listening to Afternoon Tea. I'm so glad you did. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. For more, visit the website, afternoontea, spelled T-I, dot blogspot, dot com. Let's grab a cup of coffee, tea, or whatever suits your fancy, and do it again soon.
Hey, I just got a really exciting text. We are getting closer to the hard copy version, the paperback on Amazon of Happier Music Teacher, 50 Days to Being a Happier Music Teacher at Home and at School. Of course, it's always available on F-flat books, and I hope you will support them in your mission if you want an e-book. But if it doesn't feel like a real book to you unless you hold it in your hands, I really can't wait to share it with you. I'll let you know when it releases. Thank you for listening to the Happier Music Teacher. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe and tell a friend.